Come on. Yep. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Everyman Upland Podcast. We've got a full house tonight. I'm your host, Sam Baker. I'm joined by Caleb Norman. How's it going? And Henry Norman. What's up, guys? And our brother to the north, Jace Brooks. How you doing, man? What's going on, guys? I'm glad you could join us again. Um, how's the weather to the north there? Uh, surprisingly... Uh relatively chilly which would be uh it was 44 yesterday morning um and it got up to about 78 to 82 today so and it's been dry which i'm crossing my fingers and knocking on wood because i need it to stay a little bit dry yeah it has helped some things out it is quite nice um yeah absolutely yeah we've been picking peanuts and it's been it's been really nice to have some cool days. Yeah, especially after the summer we had. Henry has had a wild week picking peanuts. Uh, yeah, there's been- <laughs> You've had a wild past five days in general, but yeah. we won't get into all of that. Pe- peanut related. I was in the I was in the peanut trailer yesterday, and like kind of spreading them out as they poured them in, and out came a rattlesnake uh, oh. into my into my lap. Mm. And um, I had a shovel with me, thankfully, so I um, helped him off the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Gently, I'm sure. Just a little, escorted him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a little conservation of one's own life at some, at some time. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, as always, we're brought to you by Quail Ridge Plantation, Norman Park, Georgia. Uh, QuailRidgePlantation.com. 52nd season of bird hunting amongst the longleaf and the wiregrass. Um, pretty classic preserve shooting. If you want to book a hunt, uh, there's still time for this season. Uh, just go to quailridgeplantation.com. You'll find a number there, and that'll lead you to a real person, and you can book a hunt. Um, which brings me um, to a little soapbox I'm about to get on right here. Because I went on vacation somewhere this past week, and I, I did not book a hunt with this place, but they offer quail hunting. It's like preserved shooting. And as me and my wife walked around the property, among many of the other problems this place had, I started noticing it is 100% turf grass. There was absolutely no habitat to be seen. This year, This time of year... There should be, if you're looking at good quail cover, there should be flowers, yellow flowers blooming. Yeah. All right. And some purple ones. <laughs> all right. There there should be stuff going on. And there was none of that. And it bring, the soapbox I want to get on just for a second here. And you don't have to book a hunt at Quail Ridge specifically. There are other great places in southwest Georgia to book hunts. And I will name a few by name. But if you're going to book a preserve hunt, if you're going to shoot pen-raised birds, please make sure your money is going to an, a, a business that maintains some kind of habitat. Um, so if you show up and you're shooting in a hay field or a mowed corn patch, find somewhere else. Find somewhere else to hunt. There are, there are tons of great places to hunt that manage thousands of acres of great habitat and it's one of the only ways 
that money pours in to manage private habitat like that. Quail Ridge manages around 5,000 acres of habitat that is, I mean, primarily funded by uh, preserve shooting. Yeah. And that's the same for, I'm going to name something, Samara uh, Plantation. You got, uh, who else? Morrison Pines. Southern Woods. Southern Woods. Boggy Pond, for the most part. Probably Rio Pietra. Yeah, Rio is down here. What's Southwind, I think. Southwind, yeah. Has actual habitat. There's tons of them. Uh, um, That's just off the top of my head. And I'm sure there's plenty around Jace as well that we're... Yeah, that has good habitat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Beaver Creek's one right down the road from us. They do a a really, really good job. Um, Dorchester, off the coast... They uh, they've got a jam up uh, operation over there. Those are those are two I would name. Yeah, the Gilchrist Club. That's in North Florida. I That's North that. Florida, yeah. kind of panhandle area. From what I can tell on Instagram, yeah, you know they're shooting birds in what looks like quail habitat. Yeah, and and that's what you want to look at. Um, it like I said, if you're going to shoot in a hayfield or a mowed over corn patch, your money is just going. To nothing. I mean, it's one it's thing. It stops. It stops at the fun you have that day. Yeah, it doesn't, it does. it doesn't give wild birds a chance to to live there. Basically, absolutely. It's one thing if if it's a buddy's property and y'all go in together and buy birds and put them out. But yeah. if you're spending a good amount of money paying a business, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And you know, I I don't even think it's a matter of like a convenience factor thing i think there are places all over the state of georgia florida alabama uh probably into the carolinas that that uh do this the right way yeah um and then there's a lot of people trying to jump on the bandwagon doing this the wrong way and that's just my soapbox i would like to see your money uh go you know if you're going to book uh a preserve shoot which is great it's really fun time but do it like henry said do it in a way that your money goes further than the fun you just had that day right you know all right soapbox over um (laughs) part of that well and part of that came to mind too because of the place i went to and then our last episode with jackie hutwagner and we were talking about kind of off uh off the recorder that um some of these some of these private plantations in Thomasville if you talk about real numbers they're getting like two wild birds per acre now that sounds like uh that sounds pretty good but when you think about 5000 acres if they if they have 5000 acres that's 10000 birds yeah that's a Heap of birds. Yeah. That's that's a ton. If you're getting a, I I thought about it in terms of WMAs. If a Lapaw River had two, one bird per acre, that'd that'd be be, 7,000. 7,000 birds. If, you know, if they had a tenth of a bird per acre, there's still 700 birds and that'd be doing pretty good. So, um, support habitat. If we could get up to a tenth or a quarter bird per acre on some of these public places, it would be gangbusters. Yeah, I mean you would 
It'd be great. All right. Um, so what are we going to talk about this week, guys? I, um, I reached out to the crew, the Everman Upland crew, texted them and said, hey, guys, if you had a top five gear list that you need to go hunting, upland hunting in Georgia, what would it be? And kind of the spirit of these lists is there's a lot of flashy, neat stuff out there. But you really there. I think Henry mentioned the list of stuff you don't need could be forever long. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could come up with a, a probably a hundred things not to bring on a quail hunt. Yeah, and y'all pro, y'all guiding, I'm sure see that all the time with your clients. Yeah, <laughs> photographer yeah. <laughs> not necessary. <laughs> yeah, um, especially man, if you are another little service announcement some guides me included from time to time i will take a picture of you on the hunt i'm not a professional photographer following you around with a camera ready to take a picture at any time so uh tread lightly there if you do go on a guided hunt you know you're paying a guy to handle dogs and i I don't mean like you know it's not a good thing to take pictures on a hunt, but I've literally had clients who mm. brought, I mean, this is like paid to go on the hunt and then brought their own photographer to take pictures. Like of a the, professional during, legit. But and that, it, that would even be okay. But to like pose throughout the hunt with your gun yeah. over your shoulder and you know, that's just, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Influencing <laughs> our, wounds. I was about to say IG influencer status right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. So top five things, we're just going to go round table style. Um, let's start at number five. I don't know if you guys ranked them. Do y'all want to start yeah. at number five? I ranked them. Okay. All right. Who wants to go first? I'll, uh, I'll crank it up. All right, let's do it. So, um, <clears throat> for number five on mine, I said Onyx map or some form of mapping. Okay, um, so really yeah, yeah. that is a good so, one. So I know for for me, um, I'm in the woods constantly doing forestry work, and I don't you I don't particularly use Onyx per se. I've got other systems I use for my day to day work, but um, I know when I'm hunting public or even on private, um, e scouting beforehand, and then seeing it on the ground and. and actively logging pins and stuff like that um, is a super, super crucial uh, way of, of being successful. Um, I mean, any and everywhere I go. So that that's that's my number five. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a good that's a yeah. good point to bring up because we I mean, we especially while we're hunting, we, we definitely drop a lot of pins, even like Tons. when we were uh, scouting a few weeks ago, we were dropping pins on you know, watering locations, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. good cover yeah. locations. Um, Food I tried sources. to, yeah, exactly. I tried to drop a pin where I could hear a bird whistling to get back to him later, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if you're on a budget, good. I think we talked about um, in a previous episode, like Google Maps works yeah. pretty good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that'll work in a pinch. Uh, the maps are. I will say, maps are more updated than on X Maps. Um, but that Google Maps doesn't give you property lines. So, yeah. but there's even free 
property line things that you can overlay. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah it, it gets kind of you'd have to put a lot of resources together. I think Onyx yeah. and Hunt Stand and a few others kind of right. make that a package for you. Right. So it's a little more. So familiar. Sam, what what did you have for number five? Your number five. I put e collar okay. way was, down on the list. That was my number five as well. Yeah, and um, I would get more specific. Uh, I'm. I'm a proponent of not buying a GPS collar until you think you really need one because it's a significant investment. It, it, it uh, GPS collars to me are convenient, but you know you can get by without one. Um, yeah. I, would, I mean, I would agree with that too because yeah. that didn't make my list, and mainly because I was trying to think a little outside of the box here, but. If I get to work and I don't have my collars, I'm usually not freaking out too bad because, and I guess I have that, um, I, I feel that way because my dogs typically will, will perform mm -hmm. without them. I mean, every once in a while we get, we get a little backtrack. Yeah, but. You got to tune them up every once in a while. But, oh, for sure. Um, I, uh, that was my number. I didn't, I didn't do all the way to like 10, but I, that was like, I made a little everything else. Mm -hmm below honorable that mentions. Yeah. yeah honorable mentions and mine was mine was dog collar um and sam i would agree i mean the e the um gps collar that's a huge investment that's something that i mean i'm i'm well into almost i guess 10 year 10 plus years into upland hunting with with my own dog type deal and uh i still haven't bought one now, every time I go to the Northwoods and I'm in some dog hair thickets mm -hmm, and my, right. my dog's on point and I don't know where he is and I call him off and then a bird flushes type deal, I'm like, dang it, I, I should, I really probably should, should dive into that, that realm. But, um, definitely, uh, something as easy as a basic sport dog, um, yeah, the close range that's got the seven tier on it, like the, it's got the vibrate and then mm -hmm. the, the six other tones of um, zapping power. Mm -hmm. What's the brand that uses the your phone? Dog Terra. For I think it's Dog Terra. Uh, dog Tra. Dog Tra. Or Dog Tra. Yeah. 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 We know a guy who runs that. Yeah, it works he, all right. He, likes it. he said as long it does sap your uh, battery, so like yeah, for, all the, for all day hunts stuff yeah. like that, you kind of have to. But be. I mean, that's a an option, and it is yeah. significantly cheaper yeah mm -hmm. um yeah i i've been guiding a while and my dad got it a long time and they <laughs> never used gps but we pretty much knew i mean when you've got well-managed woods and you can see the dogs it's not a big deal i've got a question for y'all as guides okay um and having more experience than myself but what about I see these people running bells on collars and stuff like that lo mm. to locate. I mean, I don't know enough about that. to. I'd be worried about wild birds. Yeah. If I was on wild quail specifically, yeah. I'd yeah. worry about a bell. I'll I'll hit on that a little bit. So bells are, a, are really, really big up north. And when I say up north, I mean the north woods, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, anywhere where you're hunting grouse and woodcock, bells are, are, are really, really popular um, up there. Um, 
I've ran them, but it's one of those things. I don't run them down here because, like you just said, on on wild quail, uh, the last thing the last thing I want to do is <laughs> wild flush a covey because I got a dang bell running through the woods right. type deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I will say, I mean, the birds up north from a wood, I mean, woodcock, you can about step on them and they're going to hold. Bell's not going to bother them. A grouse, if they've been hunted pretty heavily, they'll wild flush. But um, I've never ran one on on wild quail myself. Yeah. I think you step on a stick wrong and a wild covey. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You look the wrong way. Right. I mean, and that, and you know, I don't have any experience with it, but there's some wild pheasant hunters that I know that they say you don't even slam your truck door when you get yep. out. I mean, yep. the birds hear you coming. So I'd be a little wary of bells. Yeah. The GP, to be honest, I, did, I do run the Garmin 550 Plus when I hunt on public land. And it's really because the covers are so rough on public land. It's hard to tell, like, is my dog... 10 yards or yep. you know 100 yards it, I mean, it's, it can be that tough to tell but if i could only buy one i would not buy the gps because a collar that is easier to train with i i think the non-gps units specifically garmin the the collars are just so big and bulky and weird and like they don't even fit like my American Brittany is not big enough to fit the big garment collar. And I bought all my stuff used, so I don't, I didn't have the option. Number five. Yeah. Caleb, what's your number five? Mine was also the E collar. Okay. Cool. Cool. And I mean, I think it made my list just because I don't know. I'm, I'm new to the dog training game and I feel like it's a, it's a very good tool. Oh, for sure. For, I mean, for yeah. going, especially, you know, getting to hunt five or six times a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a it's a good tool for me and my dogs. And you can get into a great unit for a couple hundred bucks. I, I run yeah. the what is the uh, Garmin Sport Pro? Sport Pro, yeah, yep. yeah. And the collars come with built-in bark limiters, which I use daily. Yeah. <laughs> But I I think the other companies seem just as good. I I don't really have a. We see a lot of Garmin mainly because Tritronics around here was so popular, and then Garmin bought out Tritronics. All right, Henry, what's your number five? My number five is gloves. Oh yeah, good one. And as a guide, I uh, I'm popping a lot of necks on birds, and if I forget my gloves at home, I will have like blood on my like in the cracks of my hands for days afterwards yeah so that made that made my list so what type of glove do you use um the ones that i can get from work (laughs) (laughs) generic leather yeah but a leather glove i believe the brand is plainsman not necessarily what brand but what yeah just like deer skin leather is kind of what i tend to go for and i don't have to worry about like because 99% of the time I'm not shooting when I'm yeah, in the right. woods hunting quail. So I don't have to worry about like, how bulky they are. Yeah. And my yeah. trigger finger getting caught up or anything. But right. if I, if I'm hunting, I don't wear gloves and, but I usually don't kill that many birds either. If I'm hunting wild birds, <laughs> for sure. It also helps with briars when it's freezing cold and 
you walking with them hands low. Yeah. 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 Catching a briar. Or moving brush out of the way. Or... Yeah. They're just useful. Um, all right. Number four, Jace, you up. So I put vest. Um, okay. so vest for me, just because, uh, most of the time I'll go on longer walks. So I'll have some form of water and then obviously enough shells to, to make, make the hunt. Uh, just in case you get into a couple, couple birds and get some shots, but, um, a vest for me, I run a, a Filson mm. and, um, yeah, the strap vest or the full size, the strap vest. Um, mm-hmm. I try to go, try to go lightweight. Um, yeah, we got and, two other guys running. Filson yeah, so straps. three, three of the four of us, I think put vest down as number four and run the same vest. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Nice. Nice. Well, good. We didn't. We, none of us talked beforehand about this. So I, that's 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 good. But I love it. Um, I love the little zipper in the back too. Like um, on really long walks, I'll I'll pack a little. Oh, the uh, yeah, a little snack. Mine doesn't snack. have that zipper. Yeah, mine don't either. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, dang. What are, what are you on, Jake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got you got to turn oh, yeah. turn your boy onto this uh, this zipper yeah. vest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a little little compartment, but either way, um, I love it. Yeah, I run a pretty basic strap vest that was given to me uh, by a client. It's a Duluth Trading Company one, and you can't get them anymore. They don't make them. Nice. So, speaking of that, um, I want to throw a quick shout out to uh, a guy I know from California who comes hunting every year, Rudy. Mm-hmm. He uh he just hit me up with a guide care package and I thought that was just awesome like Carhartt jacket like yeah. multi tool wow uh actually a dog bell yeah <laughs> <Rouse> bell, <laughs> which I'm probably not going to use but I like the you know I appreciate yeah. the thought um so that was really and a couple pairs of really good socks some darn tufts I was like yes yeah let's go that is awesome. So I was super excited. Brings about that. me to my number four is socks. <laughs> cool. um, Good transition. Yeah, when I'm guiding, especially when I'm guiding, but I think I started doing it when we go out to public land. I carry extra socks. Yeah. Because by the time you get done with a half a day hunt, that the rest time at the trucks, I'm taking boots off and changing socks. It's just not. I just once you've done it. And had a nice, fresh, dry pair of socks in the middle of the day. It's a game changer. <laughs> it's, a, and, it's definitely a game changer. Yeah, because I, I run, uh, like, rubber boots, uh, pants inside, and then run my, and we'll get all this, chaps on the outside. And so the socks get pretty, pretty moist. <laughs> and so we're changing those out. I think socks, and I think that's something people over. They're not. Fan, I don't have to have fancy socks. I mean, I'm sure those help, but uh, you know, just an extra pair yeah. is where I'm going. All right, gotcha. that's my simple. I think, I think that takes care of number four. Did yeah, you? I mean, did you, yeah. you had vests. Well, I had vests as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, pretty sure the the transition is going to be pretty flawless on this because my number three was boots. Oh yeah. Okay. So. um Similar to you, I run uh, Lacrosse Granger's rubber boots. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, well, especially during woodcocking, I uh, I run those hundred percent of the time. Now, if I know I'm not going to be in wetter terrain, I run um, 
L.L. Bean. They've got the kangaroo upland. Mm. I run mm-hmm. those. And then I've got some old school uh, browning uh, lace-up, like 10-inch lace-ups with the – I think it's got shark for the, the front of the – fancy. Yeah. Um, Ostrich insoles, yeah. shark uppers. <laughs> they're uh, they're pretty bad to the bones. I had a had an old pair from uh, my grandfather, and I about wore them out. And I, I they don't make them anymore, so I bought some on eBay the other day, and I'm fired up for them this year. So, but if uh, I was like Jace, hey, come on, we're going hunting tomorrow, and you just had to throw some boots in the truck and come on, what what boots you grabbing? I mean, ninety percent of the time, like I said, I'm wearing those lacrosse grangers. Yeah. I, I walk, I walk a lot of miles in those things. Yeah, I'll second the lacrosse. I'll, I, I've, I've kind of tried to shop around to f- just attempt to find the best boots out there, and without spending, you know, the four or five hundred dollars for like the, whatever. Mm-hmm. Won't name brands, but you know, you know that you know the <laughs> tier I'm talking yeah. about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, no, for, like for, around for the eighty four dollars, eighty four dollars and some tax, you uh, you can have those are just the green, boots. the green That's rubber it. boots. They look That's like it. the Le Chameaux, but mm-hmm. they're not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about I, boots. Is on my list. It's, it's a little higher. Head. I'll talk about my boots then. I'll reserve. I want to reserve. So number Perfect. that was your number three. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number three, oh, vest did not make my list. Um, just to push back a little bit, it's like you could you could throw a couple of shells in your pocket for sure. Put put your e collar thing on a lanyard. Would it be fun? No. What are you gonna do with those birds? That's, that's... who said I'm killing birds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta remember. I gotta remember who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're guiding, 100, percent you gotta have something. Yeah, because that thing's gonna get loaded down. Wild bird hunting. I don't know. You still gotta have something. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I'll put them in Henry's vest. <laughs> as long as one guy has. I was gonna say, as long as you got someone rocking it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually, and me and uh, I think the whole crew this year, but we're experimenting with our vest setups. For sure. Um, I've got a couple that I've ordered. I won't name any brands right now, but I'm going to pass them around the group, some setups to see what people like. Or what people like. But I'm I'm going more towards minimal, like belt setup, just like a little little setup just like a little fanny pack a little fanny pack <laughs> just rocking a little fanny pack a little blaze orange I'm all fanny for, pack yeah i'm all for the fanny pack and the minimalist standpoint for sure but uh i think if you get on those long walks i think you're gonna try to revert back to the old best you're right and the reason why and i was telling kayla the big game bag is mainly where my layer rides when i when it warms up after nine o'clock and you start putting the miles on, I, I got to have somewhere to put my, I usually wear like a vest or like an actual oh yeah, clothing item vest. Yeah, that's and, right. And I'll throw that back in my game bag. Um, oh, but my number three is water, some kind of water for yeah. the dogs mainly. I can go a long time without water. Um, it's nice to have, but. 
just one of those like little cheap. We all got we all saw them at a gas station. Yeah, the Gatorade, day, the little Gatorade squeeze bottles. I've thought about throwing one of those little collapsible water bowls. bowl things mm-hmm. in my pack for the dogs because sometimes if they're real hot, they don't drink out of the squirt bottle. Great, yeah, they want to lay down and yeah, you know. and it and there's times a year, like especially early fall. In Georgia, it's typically our driest season, and the woods can be pretty dry depending on where you're at. So I always like to throw some – I always like to have water for the dogs. When we're guiding, we've got big water tanks on the truck. And uh, but when I'm on public land and you're having to walk a long way from the truck, having some water for your dog and that, is crucial. That's probably why water didn't make my list, simply because I take it for granted. You know, we have it on the Jeeps, mm-hmm. and a lot of the places I hunt, you know, there's ponds or yeah. Body, yeah. Some, some type of body Birdies of water. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and we kind of look at the maps and make sure, like, okay, we're going to generally circle over to this pond. Yeah. We want to brush up against it so the dogs will have a chance at it. For sure. All right, so making sure – so I guess you could say number three is just making sure – Water is available somewhere. Um, it's not a spendy item, right. but it does get overlooked. Um, you ready to move on? Yeah, number uh, three. My hey. number three, um, I was telling the guys earlier, I haven't really made it a, a priority in the past, but I'm going to start, and that's a med kit for myself, which I always have one in my truck, but mm-hmm. having it on my person as well as – dog specific stuff in that kit yeah um and i've got to do more research on that but i mean i've got the basics Mm -hmm. but you know you you were talking about maybe getting a vet buddy to discuss it with us about yeah no um thinking about doing a class just having an all-out class i don't know when it's gonna be yeah but uh doing a full-on uh, like first aid for outdoorsmen. And what yeah. I mean by first aid is like, I think we take it for granted that we're walking around the woods with guns. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's... if you get shot on some of these places, it's not an easy uh, trip to a hospital no. in a lot of cases. So just having the basic trauma gear, Yeah, I think like a tourniquet, some uh, quick clot but or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I always keep quick clot on me or try to. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that's a good one and something I don't do a good enough job with. I'm trying. I'm trying to make it more of a priority because I mean, yeah. you never know. Yeah, it's, even it's, from a guide perspective, I mean, we take old yeah. dudes, yeah, out walking a long way, and I mean, if somebody had a heart attack, just knowing like CPR and having a face shield or whatever, right? And that kind of stuff. I've, I have thought about that more recently. Yeah, I mean, even something as uh, implementing keeping an AED in, in the the rig for for those older older guys because those monitor heart heart rate and yeah are pretty turnkey when it comes to if something bad was to happen. But yeah. that might be something a little on the extremer side. But for a business, that would be some. I mean, we're not talking about out on public land but if you're doing guided yeah. stuff got older guys and aed probably would be having yeah. to kind of pick up for your rigs at least know what to do yeah and then yeah you know, yeah somebody uh, we've had you know people get shot you know it's oh not, yeah 
the most common thing, but it happens, you know. Yeah. Um, so wrapping up the number three spot, um, yep. I put down whistle. If I leave my house without the whistle, I have to find one from someone. I have to mm. borrow one. I've gone on a couple hunts without a whistle and it is the work. I can whistle. Okay. <laughs> I, I can, I can whistle with my mouth. Not loud enough. My dogs don't hear it. <laughs> I may as well be whispering sweet nothings into my hunting partner's ear because they're not coming to the sound of, you know, I'm trying to do it quiet, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, whistle made number three for me because that annoys the mess out of me if I do not have it. Yeah. My keys are attached to my whistle, so if I don't have yeah. my whistles, uh, I don't have gate keys. So yeah, that's kind of a problem. Problems. Yeah, um, yeah, and I run a. Uh, so what whistle? The this is a per this is a very personal theme of this whistle. Is, uh, the only whistle oh. to run is an Acme Thunderer. Yeah, I'm a Fox Forty, classic, peeless, peeless whistle. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like, man, uh, before I moved to a strap vest, and Henry knows this well, before I went to a strap vest, I, I, I had one of the full vests, which I, I still kind of like. They're very comfortable, but the birds go in from the front, mm-hmm. and uh, it would inevitable. You would just smear blood and feathers all over your Some, whistle. Sometimes worse liquids. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Pop that whistle in your mouth and just pop. <laughs> Look like a retriever with a mouthful of feathers. Yeah, bird blood is not. Oh bad. yeah. Um, I do. Sometimes I do think the the chances of getting sick from a bird is far overblown because I don't think I've ever gotten yeah, sick. From one. I'm not worried about the bird flu. Nah, you're, you're building immunities every year. There yeah. you go. Um, and I also, I write, I do like the little spaniel whistles, but whistles aren't, whistles are not expensive. That, that was in my guide kit Ooh, that I yeah. just received. So I'm going to maybe try that out this year. Yeah. And my, uh, my English cocker just happens to his go command. His release is, uh, two little tweets on my spaniel whistle. And I think it's, it's friendlier to the, the people I'm hunting with ears. Um, Anyway, anybody else whistle? Yeah, I have one, but I, I normally whistle with my own. I mean, my under my own power. You use God's power. whistle. Yeah, I, I use the old Lord's whistle. Other than that, I have I have a whistle, but Lord's whistle. If I'm using that, if I'm using that, the old shot collar is getting hit on too. So yeah, they're normally yeah. So. Well, Jace, what you got down for number two then? Ooh, number two. All right. Number two, I've got, uh, we had talked about it earlier, but shotgun and shells was mm-hmm. my number two. Um, and I, I figured this this would be an opportunity to kind of say what we're shooting this season and kind of go off of that. But mm-hmm. um, I pretty much, um, if it's quail or woodcock, I'm, I'm shooting a CZ Bob White 28-gauge. Ooh. Uh, Double, double trigger. trigger yeah yeah i i'm obsessed with a double trigger i will never go back to a single trigger it's it's awesome i absolutely love it okay uh, i just went and, the opposite <laughs> well the reason is my reason is is 
the way you can select your shots mm. with with the with the choke tube. I mean, when you get a bird that wild flushes far out, instead of having to dump your first barrel to have your your last one be a modified or a full, mm-hmm. I can pull I can pull back on my back trigger and it be a full choke. So I I love that. You mean um, you shoot birds that don't get pointed? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm a hunter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I hunt to uh, to feed the family. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that yes. that double trigger is that, and what you just described as why you like the double trigger is exactly what one thing we hit on in the gun episode. So yeah, good to, good to hear yeah. that. If you want to hear yeah. more about the deets, okay. So what is? I'll go now. I'm I'm shooting. Yeah. Twenty eight gauge CZ Sharp Tail, which is pistol grip and how it differs from the bob white's pistol grip and single trigger yeah the bob white is uh english stock mm-hmm. and and slender yeah like it, i think it weighs like 3.7 pounds i mean it's it's super super light Whoa, i didn't realize it was that wow yeah um but that's just i'm yeah i'm gonna be shooting that 28 gauge sharp tail which what's you shooting this year i'm shooting the cz again Redhead Premier 20 gauge. 20. Nice. Overnight. Nice. Yeah. Over under. I'm shooting the CZ. No, <laughs> no, I've got a uh, Winchester 101 20 gauge. Bougie <laughs> Modified and improved, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, fixed chokes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's old. It's like late 60s. Nice. Yeah. So I think those are all good options. Wait, 28 or 20? 20. 20 so 220s and 228s yeah i have a 28 but it's on the fritz right now i gotta get it seen about yeah i'll shoot whatever i can find shells for i'm sure i'll be rotating the monofeltro in there as well yeah that's a sweet gun well sam oh what you got for number two number two is boots (laughs) well so i I bought boots elevated boots up to the number two and i for the past couple years and henry turned me on to these um, that I have been wearing the lacrosse. I don't know the actual Arrowhead Arrow Foam. Yeah, it's they've got the Arrow Foam. They're, they're not the, I think uh, they're the Arrowhead. Then yeah, they're snake snake rubber boots. But that that Arrow Foam is it's bulkier, but it's lighter and more comfortable. It doesn't crack either. as easy either. Yeah. But yeah, I, we're down here, you know, hunting. We start technically in October, get fired up in November, and we're can be hunting through March. So, um, I like to have a good pair of snake boots. So, they got snake boots. But if I'm not wearing those, I did guide for a long time in LL Bean boots. Um, they're, I think, still are they still under $150? I think they're like just over $100, aren't they? No. So it depends. They've got the ones with the smoother vibrams. They're uh they're at a hundred dollars or hundred and fifteen. And then if you get like the I call them the mud graps. Uh the oh, no, head- just the regular bean. Just like oh, duck it, boots. Oh, okay. You're talking about yeah, yeah, talking I'm talking about, about just duck boots. boots. Because those you. are still they're those are handmade in Maine. Oh, those yeah. are talking about the lacrosse snake boots. I was like, where are you getting these for one hundred and fifteen dollars? No, no, yeah, no. those yeah, lacrosse yeah, snake yeah. boots are not. They're like one seventy yeah. to two hundred. But yeah, they have lasted bad. three seasons. Cool. I think I do have a leak 
in one of them after three seasons. But no boot. I don't think among all the guides that we know, there's not been any boot that lasted too, too long. Yeah. Y'all are putting I, some miles I'm on lucky. Boot, so. I'm lucky to get a season out of a pair. Yeah. Like – even even the good lacrosses, I'm I'm only yeah. getting one season and maybe like the first until I get a good tip the next season to get a new pair. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I've talked to some timber cruisers who like those Chippewa zip snake waterproof boots. They're a little more pricey, but if a timber cruiser gives you a hint on a on a rugged boot, they know what they're doing because they they go through the crap. Yeah. yeah i uh i've got a friend that runs those and he he loves them um i just for me if i if one of those jokers leaks those are gonna be 400 pounds so for me i just oh yeah yeah and even uh, if the rubber boots leak you can pour them out yeah get your extra pair of socks that you brought with you there you go and then yes, you'll be sir. good to go yeah but you know boots that are comfortable um if you're just getting into this you need to like don't wait till the, your first hunt to, to put your boots on no you need break, to be break, break them in yeah even if they're rubber um i feel like the main thing with rubber boots is the the insoles getting them kind of conform to your feet mm-hmm. yeah because we i mean i walk 10 miles easy in my rubber boots yeah but all right, Caleb. Caleb, got? I've yeah. got boots for number two as well. Boom! What you um, rocking? I found a pair of Irish Setter. I think they're called Rutmaster. They're the neoprene boot. Mm-hmm. Um, I got them for like they're usually like one hundred fifty bucks. I got them for like ninety bucks on sale somewhere. So yeah, I mean they've been good to me so far. I got them last year. Yeah, um, for deer hunting. So I started wearing them when we started doing some quail hunting too so they're comfortable yeah and i think the you hear us talking about rubber boots a lot if you're hunting somewhere in the country not in the southeast you'll probably do fine with almost anything but the humidity down here means the dew yeah on the grass on the waist high grass or at least knee high grass in the morning is so heavy that um it doesn't matter what boot you're running <laughs> yeah it, uh, you're gonna get wet yeah. um hold on oh. i answer text so somebody else want to talk about me okay well um, <laughs> I, can, oh, I mean i can go to i can go to my number one if we want to go ahead and change this wait henry's got to do his number henry two. you still got yours okay. yeah I, I mean i'll i'll stay here to do my number two i won't have to leave <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um so my number two, I do have boots on the list, and I guess you could probably figure out where that is if it's not number two. But um, for number two, I do have ear protection. Um, and I would go even further to say, I'll tell you what ear protection I use. It's uh, the Howard Light Impact Pro. Mm. It's over the ear. Yeah. Um, direct. I guess it's fairly di- directional. I can tell what direction the sound's coming from, but it's um, electronic earmuffs, so it's yeah. noise-canceling cance- over, like, 80 decibels or something Mm -hmm. and those have been a really nice purchase i can they're so accurate or you know i can i can hear well enough with them that i can hear when my hunters are taking their safety off so if like we're approaching a bird and they're supposed to still have their safety on i can tell and correct that Mm -hmm. so that that made my list at number two was good ear protection yeah 
No, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. Do I use them every time a shotgun goes off? No. <laughs> I think I that's to. probably a lot more for y'all as guides. I mean, yeah. out, out on the WMA, wild bird hunting. Yeah, we're not shooting all that much. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, now, if I shoot sporting clays, oh, I got to sure. have them. Yeah, for sure. I got, there's just some about like... A hundred rounds. Yeah. It just... Yeah. Oh, your head's throbbing at the end of the day. I mean... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like... For me, being in between two people shooting, mm-hmm. and occasionally someone will muzzle flash you. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, it. how many how many days did you say on the last episode? I've estimated about a hundred hunt days a year, and so, you're thinking yeah. like over a hundred, probably closer to like hundred and fifty shots. I mean, that's a lot of ear damage if you don't that's if you don't. Lot. Yeah, uh, Henry already has a lot. Of yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's just <laughs> what'd you say? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's just protect what he's got left. Actually, I, I don't know when we're gonna have him on, but I'm gonna have uh, Doctor Laurie Scaro and Doctor Mackenzie Baker, who is my wife, on to talk about hearing protection and eye protection because that Laurie's a they'll get on their soap. Yeah, so nice. Laurie's an audiologist <laughs> and has some cool like hearing protection stuff. And then uh, Mackenzie talking about not only eye protection but kind of eye first aid because there's yeah. a lot of common myths about. Oh, I've eye first the only eye issues I've ever had was out hunting with yeah. a shotgun. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> care to elaborate? Well, yeah, really. some some fouling or something got in my eye, and I had to go. To straight to the eye doctor from the dove field, Man. and they had to pull this special tool out and go in there and dig it out. Oh yeah, they drill it out. Yeah, they yeah. drill. Yeah, yeah, they went. Yeah, they were telling me how oh deep they gosh. had to go to get this piece of metal that out is of my nuts. eye. That's nuts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll have them on to talk about that. But good looking out, ear protection. I think yeah, that, worth uh, it. that takes care of number two. Yeah. Um, on the number one. So this is the number one thing. If you, this is like the, so number one to me kind of represented, like if you're going to invest in something, this is where a lot of your investment time should go. So, all right, Jace, number one. All right. So for me on this, mine was, mine was a bird dog. (laughs) So yeah. Okay. for, For me, um, it's not the reason I got into it, but it's definitely the reason why I continue and am fully passionate about it. It's, it's my dogs. So for me, uh, a dog, you can upland hunt without dogs. Absolutely. And I encourage it if, if that's something you can't or don't can't do right now. But, uh, for me, my number one, uh, gear, I get upland gear would be my dogs for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, there's, it's not, it's not happening without them realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, I, I mean, there's, it's not there's, near as fun without them. No, no, no. no friends with dogs, unless you just got friends with dogs, I guess. <laughs> this is true. That way. This is true. Kind of the whole vest dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> know <laughs> somebody with a vest <laughs> and a dog. No, no dogs at all. Just play the whistling game out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I heard him over there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, man. That'd be so hard. That's true. All right. My number one. Let's say you got a friend with a vest, you got a friend with dogs, and they're like, hey, I want you to come hunting with me. You've got to have chaps. I, I don't 
I don't recommend on public land trying to bushwhack. I was about to say, after going to... You can technically go without chaps, but the investment at... You can get a good pair of chaps for 40 bucks. That's what I spent. Dan's Briarproof, okay? Yeah. Just go to Dan's Briarproof store online, and they're not a sponsor. They just make a good product. And they make a snake-proof chap, and they make a fully like waterproof taped seam chap yeah. and they make i think they're high and dry might be their the model that most people go with um i wear turtle skins mainly because i get them through work because they are pretty expensive but after having some i would probably uh invest in turtle skins yeah they're real nice and they're they're fairly waterproof as well i wouldn't i don't know if they're I don't know if they're marketed, marketed that way, but, but they they keep it off. Like those and a like a longer rain jacket will keep you dry. Yeah, it's bit, yeah, and no dew is off the no, grass. I never, I get, never get wet through those chaps. Yeah, and they just the turtle skins. You can just bulldoze through there. You can. I think they make a knee down, knee down snake proof and a three quarter. So like thigh, full, yeah, Yeah. full and knee down. And so, and they're not too, they're not stiff. I mean, I guess if it's a super cold morning, they'll be a little stiff, but they're not real stiff. They're not too big. Some chaps, I used to wear Rattlers and they're Cordura and they were stiff and huge. Like the leg openings are huge. But yeah, I would highly recommend chaps. I don't really mess with briar pants. That's a per, I I understand that's a personal preference, but I throw one more thing in there about turtle skins is they do come in a lot of different sizes. Yeah. So it's not one size fits all. You can get different lengths and different widths. Yeah. So that's there. And Hey, you can get for, I think a hundred and certainly under $150. There's a lady in Thomasville that will custom sew you a pair of chaps. Uh, patties i think it's patties chaps if you just look at patties custom chaps i'm sure you can find them um but chaps yeah. i mean cutting through brush and man it's just so nice not to think about like i'm gonna kneel down to mess put a collar on my dog and i don't even pay attention much anymore if it's a little wet or you know whatever so chaps that's my number one too. Oh, Caleb's number one because yeah. he's been hunting without him. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I mean, just the we've touched on it in past episodes, but you know, growing up doing the preserve hunting, I've always wore the briar pants. Um, but when I started hunting with y'all and hitting these WMAs and you know, busting through thicker cover. I, I invested in the Dan's yeah. briar proof, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, and they fit very well. Yeah. I mean, they come in a lot of sizes too. So, okay. um, they're I a very say, good investment. I would specifically avoid the Filson 10 cloth chaps. Filson makes a lot of good stuff, but I just, I've seen their chaps wear out. Well, the good, the good thing about them though, is you can send them back and you, get a new pair. You can send them back. They're not snake proof. And you mentioning kneeling to put a collar on and then a Lapahaw WMA come into mind and just kneeling on some of those cactus that they have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So I, I'm chaps. A definite proponent proponent of chaps. The reason it didn't make my list 
is because, and I do wear chaps pretty often, but 99% of the time, that sounds like I don't wear chaps that often, but most of the time I'm wearing briar pants with knee high boots boots. and the boots, the boots tend to stop most of the briars. Um, and then I can, I just do kind of a sidestep to get through the thick stuff. And also a reason I quit wearing as many or chaps as much is because I got a cocker. Yeah. <laughs> How like, many chaps can you wear at one time? <laughs> <laughs> Arm chaps. <laughs> yeah, cockers kind of save you uh, having to go into too much stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, any, my number one, while I'm at it, was uh, snake boots. Mm, yeah. I just, you know, I, I put a lot of miles into boots, and I feel like that's that's – for a comfort standpoint, a protection standpoint, um, utilitarian standpoint, boots is kind of where it's at for me. Yeah. Like, I want, I want the best pair of boots I can, I can afford. And it's not like there's a snake behind every log down here. Well, there's a snake behind one. Yeah. And, and really for me, it, it puts my wife at ease, to be honest. She, uh, does think about that kind of stuff, but, Quail habitat happens to be gopher tortoise habitat, and gopher tortoise habitat happens to be eastern diamondback rattlesnake habitat. And so, you know, it's just one less thing I think about. Maybe, you know, I'm still pretty conscious. What about you, Jace? Chap guy? I'm not a chap guy. I am uh, I'm similar. I, I wear knee highs for the most part and, and briar pants. Um I run uh, mountain khakis is, is normally what I run from a, a briar pants standpoint, and I've had really good results with those. Yeah. can't find those around here. I, I have trouble finding them. I've wanted to try them. I've never had a pair. I run just Wrangler briar pants. Yeah, just, just the regular ones. Yeah, and I think Kevin's has a like a reasonably priced pair. They're like five-pocket yeah. stretch briar pant i just like i i guess if you have briar pants those are your hunting pants i just like chaps turn all of my pants into hunting pants <laughs> yeah true um i i'm yeah i'm just chap guy and people who do ask me about like come along on hunts or going for the first time i do I'm like hey you got a gun you got chaps i think that's a good entry point yeah. if you're going to be a guest on a hunt um at least can we agree at least briar pants you gotta have oh something. yeah no and I, yeah. I'm, I like chaps I mean I'll wear them especially to public land where I don't know what kind of cover I'm gonna be in mm-hmm. chaps yeah yeah chaps and boots those are my one and two but guys that was a that we're right at perfect time um just to recap these are things that you don't have to go get the best of. Actually, going back to the hunting vest, I think everybody wears a pretty just run-of-the-mill strap vest. Yeah. I mean, Filson's a little bit nicer of a brand, but um, for what we do, a $300 vest just seems overkill. Yeah, and the only reason yeah. I got the Filson was because of the warranty. Like, 
because yeah. I know I'm going to wear it. Whatever I have, I'm going to wear out eventually. Yeah. So I want to be able to replace that and not have to pay for it again. Yeah. yeah. They look good, too. I mean. They're classic. And they're yeah. good in hot weather. Mm-hmm. I, we do a lot of hot weather hunting, and yeah. mine's got the mesh bag in the back. Yeah. I just. Uh, I Like I said, I used to run, a, I think it was the Gander Mountain Guide Series full vest, and it served me really well. It was definitely under a hundred dollars. You can't get them anymore because that company is no longer <laughs> exists. <Yeah. laughs> but um, um, it was nice. It had the mag pockets. It had kind of it had all the bells and whistles on it. But when you get into those hot days of hunting, the, mm. I think the strap vest is emerging. Yeah, king of the vest. And to me, I'm very interested in a few companies are doing just a belt. Mm-hmm. So. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll, we will be doing a vest showdown at some point because we got a few brands. We'll pass around the crew and get everybody's opinion on what they, what they like and don't like about it. But I, I just want to do a gear episode as we approach the season, because if you're looking at magazines, if you're looking at social media, if you're looking at, if you're looking at social media, you're getting marketed to really hard yeah and there's just some gear that they'll say you need and you don't need it you don't need it or you don't need that extra expensive version of that right you can get away with a fairly run-of-the-mill yeah and i would even say get away with like there's a lot of products out there that are overkill like way overdone and you don't even like that owning something like that doesn't even come into my thought process. Like I know what, what I like and what's good and what works. And I don't like, it's definitely almost like the, the cooler market. There's a lot of brands of coolers that are um, just crazily overpriced and work just as well as some lesser brands, Mm -hmm. but it's just that name, that marketing. Not only that, but I mean, you can get high quality products that's not necessarily in the, social media world. Yeah. I mean, Dan's. That's it. Dan's I mean, is the example of, yeah. of that. High quality, great price. Yeah. Don't see them on Instagram. Yeah. Because yeah. they're really popular among, like, hounds, mm-hmm. houndsmen, mm-hmm. Uh, people who hunt coons and uh, deer and rabbits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and, you know, you can – you can get the Orvis chaps or whatever, but you know that's something. There's probably nothing wrong with them. You're just paying for for right. that. Um, yeah, and especially e collars has become a market lately too. That just it's gone. It's getting insane. The options and the price points within the e collar world, and I feel that question the most on social media like people messaging me asking for a collar recommendation and i pretty much blanketly say i would get the training just the regular non-gps version of the collars and then because if you've got a dog that's a 50 yard dog i mean are you really gonna lose them you're not going to lose – you may not know exactly where they are, but you're not going to lose your dog. He's not – and these, even these properties that we hunt on, these public 
Land property's like, I don't have a dog that's going to run off of them. No. I don't have a dog. The smallest WMA around here is 800 acres. It's Dover and Pitcher Plant Bog. My dog's not going to run off 800 acres, I don't think. I mean, worst case scenario, and they just go nuts. Yeah. I don't think they're going to run off 800 acres. Some people have dogs that run that big. And certainly if you're out west and hunting in the mountains, you may need the fanciest. Right thing but for most people you don't yeah you don't need it all right well guys if you have any questions about gear that henry and caleb and jace and i use you can contact everyman upland on instagram you can just message me or at quail guy dog man separated by periods yeah, super, super easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can message him about his recommendations uh, at Soiga underscore Upland. That's Caleb Norman and at Jace Brooks, right? Jace Brooks 34, yep. Jace right. Brooks 34 on Instagram. And, you know, if you if you need some recommendations or you kind of feel like you're getting lost in the weeds um, of gear, uh, reach out to us and we'll try to – steer you in the right direction but this has been everyman upland uh hope you guys have a great week looking forward to the season starting well starting november 13th yes yeah hope, so. hope to see you guys out there later